Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Toby Green with the A Labor Organizer Reacts podcast. Um, the new name, A Labor Organizer Reacts. Why the name change? This is the third name change that we've had in almost uh, 12 months. Uh, actually, a little bit closer, 16 months. Anyways, why the change for the podcast uh, to this name? Well, eh, I have been paying attention to what's going on in the world. And what I'm seeing is I'm seeing doctors, I'm seeing nurses, I'm seeing psychiatrists, I'm seeing um, police officers, I'm seeing whoever whoever has a mic basically doing something I think is really cool. They are watching media to explain their um, industry. So they'll like watch a TV show and they will say, well, this is what it would be like in a real medical office, or this is what it would be like really as a real police officer, or whatever the show may be and it's become viral it's definitely a very interesting form of media um, where they're reacting so i thought in terms of my show in terms of what i'm trying to do the etymology of how this podcast became this podcast is that i started this during the 14 days in march which was the first 14 days that the covid crisis broke out, I basically journaled during that day and used this podcast and had a lot of people really um, saying nice things, um, had some decent views. I'm a small-time podcaster. I do it as a hobby, so I wasn't looking at anything big, but I did a decent enough thing, and I really enjoy doing this as a hobby. Okay, great. After that was over, I kind of time capsuled that. I'm still looking for other ways to um, share those stories, but basically, we move forward, and I thought about, well, how do, how should the show change? What should the show do? What should it be? Because I didn't want to, I thought, I thought that, I honestly thought that we would be in lockdown for like two weeks and everything would open up and we'd be all great. Well, that didn't happen. So again, coming back to what I was saying, I was thinking about, okay, how do I take this idea and not have it be a bummer fest? Because everything around us was despair. I mean, you went on, Facebook or, or Twitter or any of these social media platforms, and it's just crap. It's just people being crappy to each other. And they're being crappy to each other because if they were in person, they wouldn't say nine-tenths of the things that they say when they're online. It's like, you know, there was a movie in the 90s called What a Woman Wants. And the movie, I never really saw it, but I just remember the poster because it had like Mel Gibson in his most Mel Gibson of times sitting there and a woman whispering into his ears. Um, and and it was like this idea that you would be able to hear every thought that a woman had. Um, well, I think that you can transpose that to 2021 and beyond and say, we now know what everybody's thoughts are. And we want those thoughts back kind of um, back behind their brain wall because perhaps people have too many thoughts that they're sharing. And by the way, for the record, I am anti-censorship. I don't believe that the answer to this is to censor more. But I put this podcast together to try to track that journey. Now, I changed it to We Witness Your Story, and I really enjoyed that piece of it. It was really fun to do, which was chronicle people who are heroes, who did things like save people and lose their lives in drownings and just really be good people. And I'm definitely going to keep up that part of the show because I think that is so huge. It really reminds us that life is short. It's special. It's a journey. Uh, the high points in your life and the low points in your life um, 
the low points can certainly topple you, but the high points can topple you too, where you think that nothing is ever going to touch you or affect you, and that's equally as dangerous. So the problem that I ran into, though, was I had basically five minutes of show content. Um, it was a boring podcast, and I take accountability for it. It was a podcast that didn't – it was great because I was, I was highlighting people's story, but I really didn't know – what I wanted to spend the rest of my time talking about. Um, and now I feel like I do, which is I think that there's a lot of media out there that we can react to. I think that there's a lot of stories out there that we can react to. I think that generally speaking, the working class, and I'm going to say in America, but you can say it elsewhere, is basically leaderless right now. They don't really have a clear direction forward, have kind of lost a lot of gumption and a lot of its directive, a lot of its spirit. Um, so I, I wanted to do my bit as a labor organizer, and that's what I do as trade, is I help um, support already existing unions and help hopefully uh, form new ones. Um, anyways, I view this as a small way of helping. And I could be wrong, full disclaimer, these are opinions and thoughts that I have, so I'm going to approach it in that way, where, where I'm not speaking for the whole labor movement, I'm not speaking for every union organizer. These are just thoughts that I have. I hope that you enjoy the podcast. Um, I, I'm doing this, like I said, as a hobby, but I also think that some of the material that we are working on is really, really, really important. So um, I'm going to move forward. We're going to focus tonight on, um, I have a Target video, where a Target anti-union video, and I'm also going to be reading stories from Reddit um, about people and their jobs, and we'll try to respond. And we'll, of course, try to get out of here uh, with a segment, um, a We Witness Your Story segment. We Witness Your Story, the podcast may have a name change, but certainly we want to acknowledge the people who um, every day are making our world a better place, either through their sacrifice or helping others. Uh, we want to lift those people up. chosen to work at our store because we think you'll help us achieve our vision of being the best company ever. You'll probably learn something new every day, at least for a little while. There'll also be a lot of challenges, but there's nothing we can't solve by working together. The leadership team and your fellow team members are anxious to help you and to make working at Target a positive and rewarding experience. If you ever have a question, all you have to do is ask us. Everyone here from the CEO down wants you to be in fact, Target prides itself on our open door policy. Ask your team leader, ask your EPL, or ask any supervisor. Their doors and every door are always open to you and what you have to say. Two-way communication. Okay, um, so I, I'm going to adjust this here. I, I'm going to be jostling between mics. So here, here's the deal. Um, so this is a Target video, and the two... Uh, people, I've already forgot their names because basically they they aren't important. What is important is that uh, they put here two actors, clearly actors. They don't actually work. Not one of these people I've ever seen in a store whatsoever. They are um, 
definitely definitely do not look like actual real employees. Um, and that's no disrespect to real employees. You can have attractive, well-manicured employees. That certainly can happen in any job. But these people don't look like um, look like you would see in Target. They don't look like they just came off a shift. So the first part of the anti-union effort that Target's doing in this video is to say, hey, you know, we have an open door policy. Now, this is the first step in the basically what I call the worker trap. This is the first step. By saying that we have an open policy, you are automatically thinking, hey, I can, um, I can go to these people anytime I have a problem. That's what you're going to hear again and again in this Target video. The reality is that in the working world is that oftentimes HR departments are not there for you. HR departments, and I'm using HR, they're making it sound like there's no HR. Get that out of your head completely right now. There's an HR department in every, um, in every organization, and in particular in this organization, uh, there's an HR department backed with lawyers. So this video, by the way, was put out in such a way um, because labor law allows it to be put out. Uh, basically, labor law says, hey, yeah, you can tell people not to be part of the union. You can tell them all sorts of things. So right off the bat, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, we have an open door policy here. Many HR departments, the reality is, is that you go to HR, there's two things that happen. One is HR is not there for you. They're there to protect the company. And you can see right off the, right off the, um, right off the start, they're kind of giving you this, hey, you know, it's kind of cool to be here. Um, but what they're trying to really say is, hey, you step out of line, you're being anti-target. And the reality is when you form unions or you work on unions, um, the union campaigns that are most successful it oftentimes are because of a strong commitment that comes from the workers because they see upper management is messing with the vision of how the company is supposed to be. So I just wanted to, I wanted to flag this because right off the bat, they're taking an offensive move that the 90% of people would never even understand. By saying that you have an open door policy, you're saying a number of things at once. One, you're saying come to us if there's a problem. Two, if you come to us and there's a problem, that's no guarantee that we're going to solve the problem for you. We're not making that guarantee. We're going to solve the problem that's in our best interest. Three, you can end up becoming uh, labeled right away as a troublemaker because eventually the HR department's going to go to your frontline supervisor and go, what's this issue? Four, um, you're in a completely precarious position. They've got an entire HR department staffed with attorneys, staffed with people. In addition, they've got their district manager, your manager, the CEO of the company, the general manager, the vice president. They've got 15 to 20 to 1. You are completely outnumbered. Now, there are times in which this process can actually get to wrongdoing and actually make changes. It can happen. It's not, I'm not trying to paint Target here and say, oh, they're never responsive. That would be unfair. What I'm saying is right off the bat, Target has all the power. What they're saying to you in this intro part is give us all of your power. changing all the time. We have to, in order to stay ahead of the other guys. Now, just a few years ago, we really didn't sell that much in the way of grocery items. But now, well, many of our stores have a full line grocery, and others sell many more food items, which means we're now competing not only with other retailers, but with grocery stores, too. 
that's a huge challenge, but we believe we can win the battle with the competition because not only do we have high-quality products at competitive prices, we've got the best guest service in the business. And because we're the best that makes those of us at Target a target ourselves. We're a target because we're a threat to unions, the unions that represent grocery store workers. Okay, so I want to jump in here on this. Okay, so right away, this is actually um, pretty stupid of them, actually, to do it in this way. But if you don't know of the labor movement or you don't know of unions or you don't know of any of those pieces, you could definitely watch this video and come away with understanding kind of what's going on. So what they're saying basically is we're in the retail sector that means we don't have a lot of unions. But now we're moving to groceries. And by the way, not for nothing, you can find this video. Uh, it's Alan Smith uh, is the name of the person with the video. It's the, the YouTube clip is called Target Stores Propaganda Anti-Union Nonsense. But what they are saying here in this piece is very simple. They are saying that because they're going into a unionized industry, um, they want to compete. They're saying, hey, we have ingenuity. We can do all this amazing stuff. Let me be clear what they're saying. What they're really saying is we can pay you next to nothing. We can slash your health benefits. That's the ingenuity they're talking about. When they're talking about competitive and being competitive, they're talking about paying you less than the unionized workers. And they go, well, hey, we're a target, which, I mean, we can have jokes about a target video talking about becoming a target. That's pretty funny. But they are essentially saying that, um, they're, they're telling you straight up that, hey, look, we're a target because unions are going to see us driving down the wages of its members. You have to remember that a union is ran by its members fundamentally. And if its members don't believe in the union, the union dies. The members have to, the members will uh, of any good union will say, you need to go organize the non-union employers. And that's easier, or that's, that's easier said than done. And what Target's doing here, so their first thing was saying, hey, we have an open-door policy. Their second piece here of their offensive is, look, we're in a competitive industry. Well, again, they're saying to you, if you were a worker at Target watching this, is if you step out of line, you're gone. We've now given you two points. One, we have an open-door policy, so if you go complaining, you're going to be discovered pretty quickly to be a whiner and a problem, and we'll get rid of you that way. And two, um, uh, we're in a competitive industry, so you need to know we're dead serious about this. I love the fact uh, about these videos is that there's kind of a double, a double audience. They're speaking to two separate audiences yet saying the same message. So it's all in what the audience wants to hear. So if you're a new employee, you're hearing exactly what you want to hear, uh, which is, oh, hey, I guess I'm seeing this video, but it shows to me that they really care about being competitive, and I'm going to come to Target and be great, be competitive. And then if you're, um, but if you're a general manager or you're an HR person, you're going, this is saying exactly what we want. Come to us, be an idiot, come to us, report problems, and we'll take you out. That means they need fewer employees. And fewer grocery store employees mean fewer union members. Fewer members, well, that's a problem for the union business. That's right. I said business. Union business. So I, I want to speak to um, what he meant there uh, when he said union business because he's the actor was talking about. Well, I mean, if a business, if you mean the union having funds to sustain itself so it can continue its mission, well, yeah, every nonprofit 
is a business in that sense, and you do good things or stupid things according to business. Um, you could say a function, you could say plan, you could say whatever. But the problem that I had with what they're saying, what they're saying is deliberately misleading. And see, both actors are just very convinced and they're kind of playing on a straight face. But what they are saying essentially is, hey, the union, basically, we're a target because of union dues drying up because there'll be fewer members because Target will take it away. I want to be very clear with you, that's not the issue. I mean, it's not necessarily untrue, but that's not the issue. The issue is, is that when Target comes in, they pay people less. The union, uh, the unionized employers, the good employers, the good grocery stores who are treating their employees great, they end up uh, having to slash wages. They end up slashing benefits. They end up doing all this other stuff, and they can't keep them. So what ends up happening out of this is very simple. The workforce ends up falling apart. Um, uh, basically, the, the folks don't, uh, don't fight for their union. Uh, the company does have to lay off people. The industry declines. And I would say, in fact, the grocery industry has deeply declined because of the anti-union practices um, uh, presented by uh, organizations like Target. The union is not a charity. It's not a club. And it's not part of the government. It's a business. A business that has to take in money to survive. But it doesn't have any product to sell. All it has is memberships to sell. A union's only source of income is the money they charge its members. Money for initiation, dues, and fines, and assessments. Okay, so this is an interesting piece. So now what you've seen is Target uh, switch and pivot and go on the offensive. See, the, the natural thing that every new hire would have is to be able to go, well, wait a minute, I'm here at Target. Why am I hearing all this stuff about the union? Um, what, what's this about? So Target says to you first and foremost, hey, um, there's no problem that we can't fix because workers will come. There's three problems that Target can't fix, <laughs> which is wages, benefits, and working conditions. Those three things, I, those three things can suck. And especially right now when Targets and other um, retail employers are having a hard time going through stuff. So what they're trying to do, the first step of what they're trying to do is, like I said, they're trying to say to you, hey, no problem, we can fix. Basically, they want to see if you're a troublemaker. If you're a person who's smart and you read between the lines, you know very good and well that part of them being competitive is they don't want troublemakers. The second thing that they did in this piece is they, they, um, uh, they talked about how competitive of an industry that they're going to. Now, the third is, and this is what we call a straw man. See, what they've done is there's no union on here responding to it. There's no union organizer, no union person to give a counterplay. If you had said, Toby, you're, you know, you're a labor organizer, how would you react to this? Well, very simple of how I would react to this um, situation. I would say it's not about dues, and it truly isn't. Uh, the dues and all that stuff, yes, it's there to keep the union full, but it's about the workers' wages, benefits, and working conditions. We can talk about the union as a business all day long. That's fine. You know, many unions, you can go right in during a membership meeting and see their books, see what's being paid. That money does come from the members who elect their leadership. Their leadership make decisions to try to get people better pay, wages, and benefits. They want you, Target employees, as part of that. They want you to go and organize your place. So if you're at a Target location, you don't get treated like garbage. And um, so what they're deliberately doing is third party union. Now, Union organizers and union people, we fall into this trap all the time of responding to this negative attack. 
if you're a unionist, you go, that's not what the union's about. The union's blah, 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 blah. And I just did that to an extent. But I want to be clear is that what Target's doing is deliberately using a straw man. What's a straw man? A straw man is when you set up a fake argument that wasn't being had. No union organizer is going to come to you and say, oh, well, you know what? You really should join because we want your dues. That's not what a union organizer or anybody in the union thinks. A union organizer comes and goes, look, um, if you want to know the brass tacks of a business plan here, the brass taxes is that because you're unorganized, because you and your coworkers aren't standing up for yourselves, you're driving down the whole industry. So you can get organized and join a union where we can do wide in an industry, do industry wide, get everybody's wages up. Um, they don't. They do not want that to happen whatsoever. So um, I bring that up just to say that. Um, in this video, it's a very important point of what they're trying to do. They're trying to shift it away, and very cleverly, they've shifted from Target's problems and issues onto the union. And they're taking something that's pretty basic. Let's assume you want to form a union tomorrow. You and 10 of your coworkers want to form the 10-worker union. You get together. You say, hey, let's do this. Okay. You go through all the steps. You form a union. We're not going to talk about forming a union, all those pieces that go into it, because that's, that's a five-hour conversation of itself. Well, in the future, we definitely will. But let's say you do that. You form your 10-worker person union. Wonderful. You've just formed a union. Um, okay, you get you somehow make it through. You, you go and bargain with a company, and you get a contract that's worth a darn. Wonderful. You did it again. Great job. Um, who's going to defend that contract while you're working? Who's going to pull you aside, you and your coworkers, when you guys are in a bad situation? I don't know. Who's going to do anything to support you? That's why you pay dues, so that while you're working, your working conditions are being dealt with. And if you are in a company like Target that has several thousand stores across the United States, you darn better have some paid staff to help support that, because if you're out there stocking shelves, and maybe you're a person who would join up and and become one of those people. But if you're out there stocking shelves or running the cash register or running product to the floor or doing all that stuff, if you're that person and your wages, benefits, and working conditions are terrible and you have a union contract, you better have staff out there that are going to support you and get you organized. And that's part of what a labor organizer does is literally I come in a situation and go, okay, here's some problems. What do you all want to do about it? And it's not a perfect situation, but it's definitely pretty good. Let's see here. Let's continue on. Obvious because you remember it's their business the less money they collect. The union's only alternative is to get more people to pay their hard earned money to them through dues every month. And that's becoming more and more of a problem for unions every day. 50 years ago, one out of every three workers was in a union. Today, that number, excluding government workers, has dropped to less than one in ten. One of the biggest reasons is that workers know that all the good things the unions once did, child safety laws, workers' comp, all of that, they're all laws today. Laws protecting workers. It was passed a long time ago. And nobody wants to pay dues for something they already have. So there's some truth to this. This is actually not incorrect. Union membership has declined. Um... But I will take issue with it because of things already done. It's because companies are allowed to run exceptionally vicious campaigns um, to, to discourage union membership. And 
the unions in some cases, we are not fighting back the way we should be, to be blunt. Um, we've, we, in a lot of areas, unions and the labor movement has become far too compliant with the bosses and with management. So this is, this is actually, I will agree with the target people, the union membership has gone down. And I'm going to stop right there because I think that I can go on, but I want you to understand something to take away from this. I want you to understand this piece to take away from this uh, conversation. The labor movement belongs to you if you're a worker. It doesn't belong to me as a union organizer. It doesn't belong to anybody else in the labor movement. It doesn't belong to these two actors who should be ashamed of themselves for putting a video like this together. It certainly doesn't belong to Target. The labor movement belongs to you. What this was done, this, this whole video, this presentation, there's still another 10 minutes of it. What this presentation has done is all about setting aside um, any hope, any expectation. The fundamental issue is people don't go out and form unions because they're trying to join a club or be buddies. They form unions because they have three basic issues. There are wages, benefits, and working conditions. I'm not paid well enough. I can't take care of myself or a loved one. And more importantly than anything else, um, my working here is really terrible for me and my mental health. That's why people try to form unions. And it's hard to form a union because the union process is long. It is hard. Um, they're not wrong. Uh, from the beginning of a campaign to its end, you're looking at, a, in a charitable case, from the beginning, and I consider the campaign ended when you have a contract. And we'll talk about that terminology up front later. It's, it's about a, uh, you could look at a, um, unless you're coming to an already existing contract, brand new, straight from scratch, you're looking at at least anywhere from uh, uh, 10 to 12 months. That's, that's in a charitable, everything goes good. You could be looking at a year to year and a half. The labor movement in the United States is broken, and it's been broken because of, uh, of uh, uh, what I consider to be a, a human rights violation of a video there. Now, before I wrap up, you're going to say, well, Toby, weren't you just saying that Target brought up some good points and, you know, the blah, 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 blah. Yes. See, the truth, in every criticism, there's an element of the truth. But what Target is not talking about and what they're not solving, the ultimate anti-union thing they could do Pay your workers fair, give them great benefits, and improve their working conditions. But we all know the reality of what happens at Target and many of these stores. They don't do that, do they? People just quit and go find a new job. That's their real HR message. And that also is a big reason why the labor movement struggles. Because people get hurt every single day in these non-union areas, and they have no recourse and so what ends up happening is they end up mistrusting their coworkers, they end up hating the company, and they end up swearing to themselves they'll never get hurt again, and they tr desperately try to find a place where they are respected. So thank you for listening to this segment. We're going to go on to our next segment, but um, definitely let me know in the chat or in any response wherever you see this on a YouTube video or wherever. Um, let me know. Let me know what you think. Maybe I'm off base. Um, uh, but those are my kind of initial reactions to the target. Um, worker video, uh, anti-union video. So um, I just recently found on Reddit the jobs um, r slash jobs, I guess it's Reddit slash jobs page, and I found, I'm, I'm just kind of picking through, picking through stories here, and this was uh, done by um, uh, uh, the user, user slash 
Grail, Grail um, who asks the question, how are employers reacting to remote demands? Dear Reddit, with things looking to return to normal later this year, I'm curious how employers are handling requests slash demands to continue remote work. I'm in the financial services, and last week word got out I was looking for another role because of this. Partially true. I'm also looking to take a pay cut for less stress. The assistant manager had chat with me in the office earlier this week and tried to convince me to stop my search as we've already lost a couple folks to permanent uh, work-from-home roles. Part of me feels like a spoiled child who had a toy taken away, but at the same time, I live way out in the suburbs and save 12 hours a week on commute prep time. That's a large chunk of your life not wasted in the car, not to mention being able to focus better and not having to hear coworkers saving money on food. Um, not, uh, I'm sorry, save coworkers and saving money on food. Um, not to mention, um, and generally being much more at ease at the home as I am an introvert. In any case, uh, they said they weren't going to fire me, but I know they're starting to feel pinched as other coworkers are having similar conversations, but corporate is still pushing the September office return. I feel bad for putting them in this position as everyone in the local office, managers including me, are all great people. But I don't think corporate understands or cares about how big of a quality of life improvement working from home has been. That's my story. I'm very curious to hear yours. So I just did a video or I just did a little segment on Target. And I got through about three and a half minutes of that video. It was a 13-minute video. I might revisit it. But the reason that I don't revisit it is because they're putting forward BS. Um, I can deal with some of that, but this is what matters. Um, Grail here, um, he uh, or he or she um, has has a legitimate issue. They have a legitimate issue, and they're like, "Look, I I work better. I save money. It's basically look. It's a pay raise. It's a mental health improvement, and and I don't have to be in hours. You can still come into the office and have meetings, or you can still do whatever. But this person saying, "Look, I work better from home. What's the problem? There is no problem." Um, so the question is, this person, though, has no union, <laughs> and that's the issue. That is the fundamental issue here. So this person basically has to go on the whims and likes of what management wants or doesn't want. Well, you go, well, Toby, well, if that's true, well, what would a union change? Well, first of all, these are subjects that we would call mandatory subjects of bargaining. If you had a situation like this and you had a union contract, um, a union worth its grain of salt would say, well, when the company sent you home, um, they basically changed your work life. They need to sit down and talk with us. And now that they're bringing everybody back, they need to sit down and talk with us. Um, and why do they have to, and who's us and why do they have to talk with us? Well, us would be you and your coworkers, whoever you elect to be part of the bargaining team, likely some sort of paid union staff in order to support that effort. Us would be sitting down with them and going, look, Here's what we want in return and forcing them to think about their policy. Now, you may say to yourself, well, that's not that important. That's not a big of a deal. In fact, I have some sound effects here. Let's see here. Nope, that's not it. Um, okay, there you go. Um, I'll use that sound effect. But basically uh, what we're trying to say here is that, no, getting your employer to sit down and treat with you respectfully, this is about respect. This worker here said the key word, said, um, in any case, they said they weren't going to fire me. For what? For wanting to work from home? What are you going to do, fire people for um, 
for uh, uh, demand uh, for being upset about their parking spot. Of course, they're not gonna fire you. They're they're losing they're losing people. You've got bargaining leverage, and you got common sense. But the problem is, you're an individual. And what I'm gonna say on this podcast again and again and again is that if you are an individual trying to go make things happen, and you get shut down like this, this is why. This is completely why. So I just want to bring this up. And I think that's really important. Um, and I just I just think that uh, it's a good question to ask. Um, some people in the comments gave some good responses back. Um, many, many companies are poaching really talented people because working from home makes a lot of sense. The issue is, is that HR managers and frontline managers, different managers, they don't want to do it because they lose control. So much, um, so much of management has to do with some level of masochism or uh, um, and so much of control and power. You worked your whole life to become a manager, now you know somebody's challenging. So that's kind of my take on that. Once again, uh, wherever you're at, feel free to respond in any way possible. Um, if you have real strong opinions about it, you can send them to me at runtmg at gmail.com. All right, on to the next. So this is a part of um, the podcast that I absolutely love and enjoy. This is the We Witness Your Story. Um, so I talked about uh, I talked about these terrible um, terrible Target ads, and I just I just found out that the actors who played those parts were actually part of a union, um, part of an actors union. So that yeah, passion ah oh. Anyways, um, so we're in the middle of firefires, and I think that these are going to end up becoming annual year-round things. Oregon, where I live, has the most beautiful uh, trees, forests. It's just, it's a beautiful place to live. Um, you know, my, my Portland Trailblazers are having a hard time getting free agents to come here, and I'm sitting here going, you've got to be kidding me. This is the most beautiful place to live in terms of the quality of life that you could possibly want. Uh, and if you're looking to move here, no, it isn't. It's a terrible place to live and love it. I'm just joking. Love everybody. Um, so many, many times when a fire breaks out, it's really, really, really hard, really hard to get people. Um, your, your local fire departments are obviously already stretched. It's hard to get enough uh, people to do the work of firefighting. It's dangerous work. It costs a lot of money to do it. So who do they get? Who is it that could possibly um, that could possibly even begin to help? Um, uh, who, who would do that? Well, in Oregon and in many states, they use prison labor. Now, I hate this. As a union organizer, I'm sorry, labor organizer, I despise the process of using prison labor. It, there is nothing that infuriates me more. There's nothing that gets me hotter or angrier than seeing working people doing work that should be paying a living wage to somebody, doing work that they should be getting paid a living wage. I don't care if they're incarcerated. It has nothing to do with their crime. Instead, they're going out there risking their life to help put out these fires. And we have one called the bootleg fire um, going out there. So... Uh, I'm going to read the article. This is from The Independent. You can read it if you wish. It's called Oregon Governor Commute Sentences of Dozens of Inmates Who Help Battle Wildfires. 
Uh, Kate Brown, the governor of Oregon, has reduced the sentences for more than three dozen inmates who helped fight wildfires last year. The governor's decision will result in 23 prisoners leaving prison on 22nd July. Another 18 prisoners had a year cut off on their sentences. The prisoners who received time reductions were chosen from a group of 164 who helped fight fires and who met conditions for early release based on good behavior and who had a plan for housing post-release. Okay. Um, I want to witness tonight, we witness the story of the 164 inmates who had a shot at getting out, who couldn't get out, not all of them couldn't get out. I want to thank them for putting their lives on the line, for doing their best. Um, it's a feel-good story, and it makes me sad. Um, I'm grateful to these um, mostly women um, who put their lives on the line. And I, again, people say, well, Toby, do you just want them in prison watching cable TV and relaxing? I don't know. That seems a lot more comparable to uh, to, to, to being in the middle of one of these huge fires. Um, but with that said, I won't witness those stories of the 164 um, prison firefighters. I hope that they can get hired, actually, by the fire departments. I hope that, I think, I think that it's a bunch of crap that uh, you had to have a housing plan in place. You had to have a housing plan in place. Well, what if you don't have a housing plan? That means that you're less than the people who did, that you didn't sacrifice your life. Sorry, I get angry about this stuff because it's just another poverty trap, uh, putting that condition out. Okay, well, serve your sentence. Because you don't have a housing situation set up, you can't get out. With that stated, I want to witness all the effort of the prison laborers who are fighting fires. Um, I think you're all awesome. I don't care about your previous crimes. That's between you, the court, and whatever victims are in that situation. Um, we have bankers. We have Jeff Bezos, who paid absolutely zero taxes last year, who is allowed to go to the moon or wherever he got shot into space at at the same time. You went out and fought fires. I'm not sure our society really understands who the real criminals are. Anyways, that's this. I want to again thank those folks for their bravery. This is Toby Green with the a Labor Organizer Reacts podcast. Number one in the can. Thank you. And I want to wish you a great day wherever you may be.